1: I had a dream or was it We crossed the line and it was on
0: crossed the line. Welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers,
1: and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, which means when it's the off-season, we're doing it at prime time at 7 p.m. And tonight. We're going to talk about the potential salary cap casualties that could be coming for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they navigate this offseason and try to uh, reroute the course of their history with Tom Brady now retiring. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow colleague at pewterreport.com. I was just with them at the Senior Bowl recently, and I'll be with him at the NFL Combine as well it is bailey adams bailey thanks for joining the show and how are you doing on this wednesday evening
0: doing well pretty busy these days probably not as busy as the bucks are with the uh, offensive coordinator search and all this cap move maneuvering they're going to have to do over the next uh, couple months i guess it will be but doing pretty good
1: good awesome to hear uh yeah it's a lot of different juggling pieces and moving parts for the buccaneers at the moment, uh, we talked about some of the coaches that had met with the Bucks, such as Dave Kanellis. Uh, That was yesterday, and then reports had came out today from uh, Rick Stroud, and Tom Paricello, that Thomas Brown, the running backs coach and then the tight ends coach of the Los Angeles Rams, was having a second interview with the Bucks today on Wednesday. But then he is going to Carolina, so making a pretty quick trip. And meeting with the Panthers for the offensive coordinator position. The Panthers have been moving and shaking as much as the Bucs have. Even more. Even more moving and shaking. Um, obviously, it started with Frank Reich as their head coach. Then recently, they signed Jim Caldwell as an assistant coach. And Deuce Staley. Deuce. Actually, Bucks fans don't like hearing that. Uh, <laughs> but Deuce Staley to be their running backs coach. So, let's remember. The Bucs don't just need an offensive coordinator. They need a... Quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, wide receivers, and more. So, a little bit interesting because I think we forget sometimes, Bailey, that the Bucs aren't the only team looking for an offensive coordinator and assistant coaches. But I think it'll be interesting with Brown talking to both teams because he comes from that Sean McVay coaching tree. And for years, up until I would say, like, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel started taking over, it was, oh, you got to find the next Sean McVay. Who's the next Sean McVay? And it's almost like we forgot about McVay for a little bit because the brands weren't as good this year, but you get any coach from that coaching tree and uh, it's a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah. I think you're going to tend to feel pretty good about your, your possibilities with a coach from that coaching tree. It's, it's an interesting one. I've been really intrigued to see how the Panthers have gone about their offseason season so far. Obviously the head coach hire comes first, but, the fact that they've got two assistants and I think Caldwell is like a senior assistant of some kind. Yeah. And then they brought in Deuce Staley as the running backs coach. And I think he's also the assistant head coach. So to get those two hires in place before they bring on an offensive coordinator is pretty interesting. I I think, I mean, maybe there's an advantage to that for them as far as, you know, they have a staff in place ready for the offensive coordinator to come in, but it could work to the bucks advantage that they don't necessarily have that if Thomas Brown or whoever the, New offensive coordinator is wants to have control over who they bring in as their quarterbacks coach, running backs coach, wide receivers coach, whoever. Maybe you know having that control is something that might end up drawing uh, a coordinator to the position because right now it's not that attractive of a job. You know it's pretty clear that's the case. I know yeah. Todd Munkin was a hot candidate for him, but he's now up there with Baltimore with a much better situation. If you're if you're being frank with it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I know Thomas Brown was supposed to be in Tampa today for his interview and then get uh, over to, to Carolina for that interview. And if the Bucs are interested enough, you know, they got a second they got him for a second interview. If They're interested enough. I don't know. Do you do you move quick enough to where you're like, hey, don't take that? Don't take that other interview in Carolina or I don't know if they can really avoid it. I think he might end up going to Carolina, doing that interview, and then maybe he's got a, a choice to make.
1: Right. It, it does seem like if, if the Bucks are. If they know he's meeting with the Panthers just to go, all right, what is it going to take for you to not leave right now? They might as well go and do it. But you mentioned, you know, some some of the other candidates out there, Pitcher, Tierney, uh, Canellas. So the Bucks have their options too. But I do yeah. agree with you. It's a bit of a backwards way for Carolina to get all the assistance and then put in the coordinator because, to your point, you're almost better off signing that coordinator and then the coordinator can kind of bring in his own guys. I kind of look at it at two ways for Brown when it comes to making a decision. Um, as we said, it comes from the McVay coaching tree, but Frank Reich is a pretty established offensive coach as well. So you could look at it in the sense of, all right, you get to work with another offensive mind, build your own kind of offensive prowess if you must, but you might not be running exactly your type of style offense that you want to. Now on the flip side, with the Bucks, the positives are you're working for a defensive coach and, therefore, you're running your offense and you can essentially do what you want to do because Todd Bowles is going to stay out of it. He's going to have his input of maybe I want to run it more, maybe I want to do this, but for the most part, you're calling your offense, you're putting in your personnel that you want to do. So if you succeed, you're betting on yourself, you're going to have carte blanche. You're going to be able to do what you want to do. Now, the downside of it is that, and this is the big risk of why a lot of coordinators don't even want to interview with the Bucs at the moment, is that if the belief is that Todd Bowles is on the hot seat, it's a big risk. I mean, there's having confidence in yourself, but then there's also looking things through a, uh, a real picture. And it is a gamble to go into a situation where you don't know who your quarterback is. And, you know, the Panthers have a rookie and they have Sam Darnold. Still not the best, but at least you know what you're getting in Carolina. Where the Bucs, you have no idea. You don't know if it's Kyle Trez. You don't know if you're getting a veteran. So it's a big gamble, just essentially throwing that dice into the dark and not knowing what you're going to get. But if it pays off, it's going to pay off, pay off huge. And on the flip side for Carolina as well, with Frank Reich just becoming the head coach, you can all be guarantee he's at least going to be there for two seasons. So there's a little more stability even with the uncertainty.
0: Yeah, I think what's important to note too, like I kind of think when you mention, you know, a guy, like an offensive coordinator, wanting to come in and maybe run his own system, that might not be the case in Carolina. It makes me think of Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. I think that's yeah. why you're starting to see him take some interviews elsewhere, He's obviously, you know, he's done everything he can do with the Chiefs, but he's running, you know, Andy Reid's calling the plays. He's an offensive coordinator, you know, in title, but he's not calling the plays. So mm-hmm. Bieniemy might want to go somewhere else to call plays. I think he took a uh, interview with Washington today. Yep. Um So, I mean, it it kind of makes me think about that where it's like, all right, what kind of coordinator does Thomas Brown or anybody out there, what kind of coordinator do they want to be? Do they want to go in to Carolina and run a Frank Reich offense and kind of, you know, just kind of work and collaborate on it? Or do they want free reign? Do they feel like they're going to bet on themselves and say, all right, I can turn this offense around, not knowing who my quarterback is going to be, but I can get it done and set myself up for, you know, even, even if it's the thing, it's a big risk coming into, you know, not knowing Todd Bowles' future, not knowing what the future is going to look like if you do well enough on your side of the ball in this situation, not necessarily saying like you're the next head coach, if if something goes wrong with bowls, but it's, you're at least saying, all right, maybe it's an only a one year stop, but I'm still in a decent enough position to get a new job elsewhere or get a job somewhere else next off season, because I wasn't the problem. You know, it, it's one of those things yeah. where whoever takes the job is betting on themselves basically in one way or another.
1: Yeah. All valid points. And that is kind of, the fault of having a defensive head coach is if the coordinator outperforms, the coordinator is going to become a head coach eventually. So even if you find that success, you're always looking to rebuild that offensive success in a league where it's more predicated on offense, but it's all valid points. By the way, I want to give a huge shout out to really everyone in the chat, but Barry Moore says, good morning from Australia. Love the show. Thank you so much. And Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Appreciate you watching all the way from Australia, Barry. Um, Had another very nice comment from uh, X Chunk says, long time watcher, first time catching the podcast live. Go Bucks, baby! Love the work, Peter. Report Bucks fans appreciate you with two exclamation points and two heart uh, emojis. But the the old school way to write a heart before (laughs) emojis were a thing. Um, Yeah, the middle. Yeah, like (laughs) the aim, the AOL and the AIM way to uh, to write a heart. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate everyone." Um, that's in the comments right now. I see Matthew. I see I like Rice Bish, uh, Christopher Oxentine, who had his birthday the other day. Uh, thank you guys so much for all your uh, participation and comments, not just tonight, but throughout the history of pewterreport.com, the Pewter Report podcast. And as you guys may know, the Pewter Report podcast is energized by Celsius. Check out some of their new flavors that they got going on, the Fantasy Vibe and the Sparkling Lemon Lime, Seven Essential Vitamins. Gives you that essential energy to get you through your day. Go to your local 7-Eleven convenience store or bodega to pick them up today. Once again, that's the fancy vibe and the sparkling lemon lime. All right, Bailey, the topic of today's show is the salary salary cap casualties. And (laughs) we got Josh Capo from Pewter Report in the (laughs) chats right now. Shout out, Josh. What's going on? He says, they cut gauge, I riot. Solo, solo riot (laughs) by me. We will talk about Russell Gage in a bit. I do kind of want to work our way from the bottom up. Maybe not necessarily with the amount of money that is going to be saved, but importance of position versus the amount of money. And so who we're going to start with, and I'm a special teams guy. When I played varsity football, I played offensive tackle, Defensive end, a little center. And I have played special teams, too. So this is a special place in my heart for special teams <laughs> players. With that said, Ryan Suckup, if they were to release Ryan Suckup, uh, that's a $3.75 million, uh, in savings that the Bucks would get right then and there. I like Ryan Suckup. I appreciate what he's done for this team. He's still very, very accurate. But as we've learned, Bailey, in today's day and age, one, That's a pretty high number for a salary cap for a kicker, especially in an off season where the bucks need to save as much as they possibly can. They are 55 million over the cap. That is the second highest in the NFL. And I think with suck up, he's older in age. He does not have the leg strength. I think suck up may be one of the first guys to go just based on his ability and the money that he's getting.
0: Yeah. I think the writing's on the wall. I think, you know, one of the one of the days, few days after the Bucks lost to the Cowboys in the playoffs, Todd Bowles—I don't remember exactly who he was speaking to—I think it was somewhere, might have been Pro Football Talk, or some, somewhere had it, where Bowles was talking about suck up and saying, you know, we appreciate Ryan, you know, what Ryan does a good job for us, but he kind of also was like, we need at this at this day and age, we need a kicker who can kick from beyond forty-seven yards or fifty yards, because you need to be able to kick those longer field goals, especially with the way the offense was performing in twenty twenty-two so just the the fact of the matter is suck up can't hit those kicks anymore he doesn't have the leg strength and he was i think topping out i think his longest of the year might have been 50 but 50 plus he was something like one for six um on the year so yeah i think this is one that both in terms of getting younger getting cheaper and just overall performance it just makes sense for the bucks to make that move it's almost a no-brainer i think and again you like you said you got to Mention what Ryan Suckup did for this team, you know, coming in and solidifying the kicking position in 2020, you know, has the season he had then. I believe he might have broken a single season points record, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, in that Super Bowl season. So, you know, did did a great job over the few years, but I think it might be time for him to move on.
1: Yeah, let's remember Bailey. There was a well known thing in Tampa Bay called the Bucks (laughs) kicker curse. And that went on for a very long time. So maybe the Bucks are tempting fate by getting rid of the guy that essentially ended the, the Bucks kicker curse. And I don't totally blame Ryan Suckup because, like, he's not fooling anybody. You knew the ability that yeah. he had. And going in, it was, hey, he's accurate from essentially inside 45, but you're not going to get anything from 50 and over. And that was okay for the Bucs for the last three seasons because you had Tom Brady. You had this offense that was not really going to be the type of offense that was going to settle for those long field goals, either Bruce Arians or Todd Bowles, more Bruce, would go for it to get even closer, or they were already yeah. going to be in the red zone anyway. So I don't necessarily blame Ryan Suckup at all. I also do feel like that some of Todd Bowles' coaching decisions. Now I don't think he purposely was trying to sabotage Ryan Suckup, but there were times <laughs> that everybody watching at home, you didn't need to be a a twenty five year analyst like scott reynolds to be like really they're kicking a field goal here it's 54 yards why are they yeah. why are they trotting out ryan Suckup? he's he's not going to be able to hit this and then he would miss it like com- egregiously wide left or wide right <laughs> and it's like all right I-, I told you so i don't really know what you were expecting there so in some ways while i i think this was going to be the uh while this is going to be the the decision anyway I do feel like they kind of set up Ryan, suck up the fail at times.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think it's like you mentioned, they they knew what they were getting out of him coming into the year. I think they they had mentioned at the beginning of training camp last year that it was going to be a competition. He was going to have to stave off Jose Borgealis throughout training camp, and Borgales had a chance, I think, to to make it happen right then. Um, but I, I think he he didn't have the best preseason, and the Bucks probably felt way more comfortable. With what they knew they had in Ryan Suckup, and they were willing to take that cap hit for 2022, knowing, you know, 45 yards and in, they've got him. You know, they've got the guy maybe not going to do anything beyond 50, but I think they knew that going into the season with the way they set up that competition. Suckup held on to the job, but I think this is probably when they move on from him and, and save that little bit of cap because, as you mentioned, they're $55 million over, and, you know, that's what you said, 3.75 million. Like, that's only a small little part of that, but any move helps, I think, at this point because they're going to have to make a series of them.
1: No, very much so. Anything helps. And let's remember that 35 million of this 55 is all going to Tom Brady with with his retirement. So it's not really like the... It's not one of those, like, how could you fall into this? What do you mean you're 55 million over? No, this was... A lot of this was going to Tom Brady and, again, kicking the can down the road. This was... Why the Bucks won the Super Bowl and why the Bucs are able to win, uh, what was it, 13 games and, and win that division two seasons ago. So, yes, me, it was well worth it. Shout out to Ken Ricard saying, Matt, I have the same gamer headset as well. They're great. Yeah, I specifically pretty much just use this for the podcast. Um, I think I still have PlayStation Live. I don't use it that much. But if anyone wants to play against me on FIFA... The new uh, or like Madden 9 or whatever, I'm down to play. Uh, you can hit me up uh, on here or on my Twitter. Uh, a lot of people saying suck up Smith for net. We'll talk about those guys as well. I uh, just want to go through a couple other comments here. Matthew says no one is taking Smith. And, you know, we kind of talked about this yesterday about maybe the Bucks should just trade Donovan Smith. Uh, we will talk about that later. Josh Capo says Bailey hat Bailey's hat is fire with three fire emojis. Thank you, Josh. I That's... agree as well. Very
0: I saw very... Scott, I don't know if it was earlier this week or last week, was on the podcast wearing his lightning shirt and said he had to represent the lightning now that it was the offseason. Figured I'd throw on the Rays hat. It's baseball, but you know, pitchers and catchers report it's baseball season. Yeah,
1: no, baseball's coming back very, very soon. Uh Matthew with another comment, and then we got a super chat we'll get to. Uh, Matthew says, let David go unless seriously a uh, team friendly deal and trade Devin White if we can save money and get <laughs> some patio furniture. <laughs> okay, Matthew, I appreciate the comment, but no. And here's why. Yeah. If you don't have Levante David back and you don't have Devin, if you cut Devin White, which you, that would put you in even in a worse salary cap situation than they're already in. You have no one, and I mean no one. I'm channeling my inner Rock and Chris Jericho. Um, <laughs> I mean, you would have JJ Russell and KJ Britt. Uh, well, they'll call it the initials room. And I like those guys as special teamers. They're just not—they're not set out to be inside linebackers. So then you have to reshuffle the deck again uh for the draft because you weren't expecting to go inside linebacker at least extremely early with devin white so you have to reshuffle that deck and then look at another inside linebacker in free agency so you're not going to get rid of devin white if you want to look at a cheaper option at inside linebacker for levante david fine but you're not going to get rid of both uh bailey do you see it any other way
0: i don't know like you mentioned those guys are good special teamers but they are i don't even know they are backup inside linebackers mean i think Entitled right now, yes, they are. But I, I think the Bucks really they can't afford to start those guys and almost need to upgrade their depth there. Um, yeah. You know, this offseason season, if they can. I mean, they're they're in a situation where, yeah, the, the Levante David one's interesting because I know Levante wants to retire a Buck. He said as much last week, and I know a lot of fans do want that. But he is going to cost probably around ten million dollars. And you know, whether or not, I mean, I I think at this point in his career, he's still worth it. He's still playing. You know, a reliable brand of football you know he's not the splash playmaker that he used to be when he was younger but he still probably was the best defender on the team last year especially the most consistent um but yeah i mean that's the thing is 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 if you want to go cheaper that's that's an option but then again you know you're creating another hole which we'll talk about with these some of these guys if you're if you're cutting these for cap casualties if they're cap casualties you're creating more you know additions that you're gonna have to make through the draft and through cheap free agency deals
1: exactly a shout out to cody haynes for the 199 super chat cody haynes music free plug check out cody haynes music he says i'm calling it now thomas brown gets hired shortly if that's the way the bucks want to go i hope your intuitions are correct bail i'll ask you just i know there's been a lot of coordinator interviews um is there anyone in particular that sticks out to you that you would prefer just given either their coaching history or style of offense um is there anyone that's like a number one candidate for you because for me there is but curious to get
0: what you think to me i mean obviously after todd munkin was hired now i don't know that he was ever really gonna come to come back to tampa yeah. um he was one of them that was at the top of the list and i think dan pitcher was another one who's at the top of the list i don't know that he's still necessarily in the mix anymore i think he may be staying put in cincinnati um i don't know if that's been a become like a thing that's he said for sure but it just seems, you know, he's had his second interview with Tampa, and it seems like, I don't know if there'd be a third. Um, but I think Dan Pitcher is probably what would, would have been my other top one. I'm intrigued by Thomas Brown. I am. Uh, I'm curious, you know, obviously from the McVeigh coaching tree, um, and that's always going to be a plus in anybody's um, anybody's resume. But, yeah, I mean, there's, just, there's a lot of names out there. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting somebody who I'm actually interested in. I just can't get all <laughs> yeah. the names straight in my head.
1: Yeah, I did just ask that off the fly, too. There are a lot of names. Pitcher <laughs> was actually my guy, too. The fact that he worked with Joe Burrow, young quarterback, and it's looking more and more like it could be that situation with Kyle Trask. Um, He was definitely my guy, too. Let's talk about another cap casualty. Now, this one's going to sting a little bit because um, he's been a longtime Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And just the way that it's been going... Year after year, they restructure his contract and and give him a, a more and more of a pay cut each season. But I think this year's might be where they fully let him go, um, and that's Cam Brait. And Cam Brait, uh, I would save the Bucks two million dollars. But as you said, Bailey, they need everything that they can scrounge together. And I just think with Kate Kaden and Cole Keith, and maybe going through the draft again this year, Cam Brait's best days are behind him. And I want to see him have like a Rondé Barber role with the Bucs, uh in the front office, like hosting his own show or anything like that. But it looks like Camp Bray could be uh, out the door.
0: I think it's, it's felt like that for the last few off seasons, hasn't it? It's felt like, all right, this is probably, you know, when we're going to say goodbye to Cam. But they have been able to, to restructure. And I don't know. I just, I don't think he offers enough anymore. Um, you know, I think obviously a, a great veteran presence and, a great guy to have in your locker room always always really good with the media too um you know always a good guy to talk to but yeah I, I think at this point they're they've got kate otten who i think should be tied in one going into next year and you're probably adding maybe a day three tight end um potentially in the draft yeah. this this offseason um and yeah i think just to get get that two million off the books um it's probably time with Brady. but yeah i agree i, I cambray is is a guy who i've enjoyed. Uh, having around uh, this team for such a long time. And I think he would be good in, in a role like that, you know, whether he's hosting his own show or, or, or doing anything, um, you know, related to the Bucks.
1: Yeah. And I, I hate talking about this one because Cam is great w- with the media. He's been super helpful with Peter Report as well. He's come to some yeah. of our events. Um, he did Mark's Cook, What's Cooking, I think twice, R.I.P. Mark. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was one of the best videos that I think What's Cooking had just, Super funny guy. But, you know, it is our job to talk about the negative stuff, too. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be the case with Cam. I think it's important to remember that, you know, Cam went through a ton of really difficult injuries last year. He had a concussion, and then he had that serious neck injury. Right after he came back from the concussion, and it looked really scary at one moment. I remember a couple years ago, he played with a torn labrum in his hip. He played the whole season, and... Didn't even tell anyone. Like, it became a story once the season was done, and this is when the Bucks weren't a good team. You know, it wasn't like the 2020 Bucks. Yeah. Um, but Cam will always have a special place in Bucks history if it is done. It's not even really the $2 million that they're saving. I think it's more like the amount of money they would have to pay him, and it's like you can't justify giving double digits to like a second, third string tight end. I think that's really what it comes down to.
0: What she mentioned there, too, about Cam is that he does have his place in Bucks history. He's third all time in receiving touchdowns uh, yeah. in Bucks history. You know, he he's had a great career with the Bucks. Um, an unheralded guy out of Harvard, and you know, a guy who they you know a diamond in the rough they picked up, and he's had a great career with them. But I think, yeah, it probably is opening up a, a spot, whether it's you know both for the money and I think to kind of get younger at the position and get a little more production out of your tight ends. It's probably a move they're going to end up having to make.
1: And him, Jimmy Giles, and to a small degree Gronk. I mean, Gronk nationally is polarizing, but in Bucks history, I mean, talk about the three greatest tight ends of all time. And, and yeah, Cam Brate is um, is without question in there. Uh, we're going to talk about another polarizing figure that hasn't been with the Bucks just as long. Josh Capo is going to want to hear about this one. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at age rejuvenation.
0: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now.
1: Got all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using age rejuvenation. Uh, You see John Gilmore on the screen right there. He's part of the Peter Tailgate show that Bailey was a part of as well. Um, He swears by it. I mean, he looks in great shape, and that's years after he was retired. Uh, Scott Reynolds has talked a ton about how it um, it has helped him. He's lost weight. He feels better. He's not taking those afternoon naps. So check out Age Rejuvenation today and see how it can help you with their testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, stem cell therapy, and much, much more. That's agerejuvenation.com. Okay, specific wide receiver has everybody talking in the chats to the point that Josh Capo wrote a story about this man. And that is Russell Gage. Now, Russell Gage signed a three-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and everything was going well in spring training or training camp. You can see I got baseball in the mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hamstring injury occurs, and it felt like Russell Gage never fully recovered from it. Um, he had way more touchdowns than I think anyone expected, but it was the lack of explosive plays that were missing. Now, if the Bucs were to cut Russell Gage, it would save them about $2.8 million dollars now Bailey I will ask you are you cutting or are you keeping
0: Russell gage this is the first one I'm a little iffy on you know I, I think obviously this season didn't go as planned for Russell gage or the hamstring I think it had a lot to do with that uh, I don't know that he ever really fully got back and I don't know that he really had that has that much of an injury history prior to uh this past season. And, you know, really, really good, you know, nice career with the Falcons. Signed that big deal to be Tampa's wide receiver three. And I'm not entirely sure that that cap saving is really worth creating that hole there.
1: Long lost um, laser right here. Who are you going to replace him with $2.8 million?
0: Right. So if, if you're saving $2.8 million, you know, you, you need another wide receiver three. You already need a wide receiver. You know, you already need like th- two or three or four wide receivers to fill out that room with the free agents that are leaving. Um and you know you need to make that room a little bit better than it was in 2022. Um okay, Josh. Um I'm trying I'm trying to, to, to get get to that point. Um I don't know that I would. I I would approach him and I don't know what the the ins and outs of it would be, but if you could restructure um and, and kind of lower that cap hit for 2023, I'd probably try to take that route first before I just straight up cut him because I think he still would add a pretty a pretty great deal to the offense. And I think you, you probably would look at him as a bounce-back candidate if he's back as Tampa Bay's wide receiver three. Long story uh, short, I don't know that I'd cut him.
1: Yeah. I just don't want the wrath of Josh Capo. I think that's part of that's uh, the reason I'm coming in with this. But, um, that's the real reason. Uh, no, on a, on a more serious note, I, I think it's tough to navigate with the NFL because it is a billion-dollar business, and you know owners are putting their money on the line, so they want results instantly. But sometimes patience can help. Now, more often than not, it's with a a rookie that you drafted and maybe their rookie season wasn't, you know, ideal. But in year two and year three, they really become the guy that you, you know, invested in and planning on uh, contributing to this team. But I think there is a case with that as well when you bring in a free agent, especially wide receiver where, like, chemistry is such a big thing and learning a new offense is super, super important. And... I really like what Josh had to say in his article. You can check it out on pewterreport.com where he makes the case for cutting Russell Gage and what he really wanted, which was keeping Russell Gage. And they said for the value that they got Russell Gage, it was actually a good deal for the Bucs when you look at some of the other free agents that were able to sign. So if you want this offense to get better, I understand you got to go speed, speed, speed. We want explosive plays, but you're mostly going to get that through the draft i would rather see a healthy russell gage i would like to see him get another opportunity and truly see what tampa bay has with russell gage because he's built up a pretty good track record and he's made the explosive plays it wasn't there last season but that doesn't mean it could never come back i think you gotta just chalk it up it was just a bad year for everybody across the board you know no one really balled out except for like Rashad White and Anthony Nelson and, you know, a couple of the rookies. Uh, Jake Camarda, we'll give a shout-out. Yeah, go ahead.
0: What's interesting is he he didn't have the explosive plays, but when he got back and and started to kind of get into more rhythm, getting back from that hamstring injury, he was a red zone threat, you know. Somewhat surprisingly, you know, he was a guy who was contributing in the red zone. Tom Brady was looking for him quite a bit. There's a stretch, I think, around end of November, beginning of December, um, where that was the case. Um, and I, at the one point, I, he he led the team and <laughs> just one offensive coordinator at this point. That's, that's a, um, but yeah, at, at one point, he led the team and receiving touchdowns before Mike Evans' big three touchdown game against Carolina. So I think there's, there's still plenty of value with, uh, Russell Gage. And I don't know that the cap savings of, of releasing him is really worth not seeing your investment pan out or potentially pan out, giving him, a, giving it a chance to pan out, really.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, Because I don't know how the Bucs are going to go through free agency this year. Like, look at what they did with safety last year. They just went with Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, guys that didn't even make a million dollars on the year, and it was just – it was really the only route they can go. And I get the feeling that's essentially what they're going to do at a lot of positions, but at wide receiver as well. I think you could take the risk on someone like Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal at safety. I don't know that you can do the same at wide receiver. You're not going to get that bang for your buck, you know, pennies on the dollar for a wide receiver. Like I think a good example where it kind of worked out and it was only for a couple of games was when T.Y. Hilton went to the Cowboys outside of that, though, you know, you don't totally find a guy that like really revives their career in that sense. Uh, Brian feels like
0: a a luck of the draw thing. Really? Yeah. It's like, okay, we'll we'll gamble. It's it's it is a risk reward thing. It's like, all right, we'll just throw him a minimum deal and maybe he revives his career. But you don't really have any like you're kind of just throwing darts at the wall there and hoping it sticks. But you know, with Russell Gage, I think he has a little bit more of a track record and a little bit more built up where you're like, all right, let's see if this pans out, give him another year, and then you know, if if nothing works out this year, then I think that's when you obviously move on. But yeah, like, like you said, it's it's not like you can just go out there and get Another guy, and it's like he's gonna automatically be an upgrade. It's it's a gamble either way.
1: And you made an excellent point. I'll get to Brian's comment in just a moment, uh, about that Gage is one of the few people that's on the cut list and then also the restructure list. Um, yeah. a couple other guys that you could restructure, Ryan Jensen, Carlton Davis, uh both Shaqs, Shaq Barrett and Shaq Mason, uh, Chris Godwin and Vita Veo, all guys that have gotten contracts pretty recently. Someone will be getting their contract restructured. It's just a matter of who. If you're Russell Gage, I'd be like, hey, you want to restructure my comment, uh, my contract so you don't uh, cut me? I'm in. Sounds good. Brian with this comment says, one more year for a healthy Gage. I was excited about him when we signed him. I agree. I-, I think you kick the tires on him one more year. If it's another down season, then you can cut him there, even though you'll still be in hopefully a better financial situation uh, that time around than – uh, going into uh, next season or the following season. Uh, someone mentioned trading Ryan Jensen. They are absolutely not doing that.
0: We just um, went through an entire season without seeing Ryan Jensen on the offensive <laughs> yeah, line. exactly. So. I don't know that you we want to create that was. again.
1: Um, Someone said trade Godwin. They are not doing that. Um, that. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to entertain anything <laughs> along that. I don't even know if we're getting trolled at this point or not. Uh, This next one, though, is for real and legitimate. And if if the Russell Gage conversation was polarizing, the next two players that we will talk about to end this show are very, very polarizing. These are guys that have brought a ton of joy to this team, a little aggravation as well as football fans have stopped the foolishness. We got to start with Lombardi, Lenny, though. Uh, Leonard Fournette would be a $3.5 million cap hit. Bailey, I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts on. Uh, the only thing I'll say is I only think Leonard Fournette got his contract after the first year with the Bucs because Tom Brady was here and he wanted Leonard Fournette. And Fournette is a Tom Brady guy. Let's remember, he was meeting with the Patriots when Tom Brady FaceTimed him and said, yo, get back over here. Yeah. Um, but that's all I want to say about Leonard Fournette. The floor is yours, Bailey.
0: Yeah, I mean they gave him a, a three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal last off season. Um, you know, a pretty hefty price tag, and I don't know they didn't definitely didn't get their return on investment at least this past season. Um, he's another guy where it's like he he added a lot in the in the time that he was here. I think he had a, a really good, obviously that playoff run gave him the the nickname playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny. Um, and I think he had a solid twenty twenty one season, but that seven million dollar price tag was a little much for last offseason and it really did feel like uh, all right tom brady wants him here which is why the three-year deal on it maybe that's what it took to get it done but that's why it seemed a little curious at the time um and you know tom brady famously said no one loves leonard Fournette more than i do but maybe his mom does is what he said um (laughs) but he's up there with people who love leonard Fournette the most um so yeah i just i don't know i think with the again 3.5 million you save if, if you if you part ways with him, you give rashad white a chance to be your RB1 and you know you, you get another running back in there to, to kind of spearhead the future at the running back position. Um that, that's probably the way to go.
1: Okay, Bailey. Um we just had some breaking news a minute ago oh, did we from Mike Garrafolo. He tweets the Buccaneers are hiring Seahawks quarterback coach Dave Canales as their new offensive coordinator sources say after 13 seasons as an assistant on Pete Carroll's coaching staff Canales heads to Tampa to run the offense for Todd Bowles. This is breaking news right at the moment. (laughs) Dave Canales is the new offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As Cody Haynes music again with the super chat says, we just hired Canales Cody appreciate the super chat Um, wrong prediction on Thomas Brown, but you did say that they were going (laughs) to hire an offensive coordinator very soon. So you do get the credit For that, Uh, yeah. Just a reminder for everybody: Dave Canales. His history is he's been with as the everyone's rolling in. Let's go, (laughs) football fam. Well, I did say I wanted an OC. Canales spent his whole career at Tom says Go Bucks, but come on, not happy with that. Uh, Kieran says great hire in my opinion. Worked wonders with Gino last year. So that's the claim to fame for. Canales. Uh, he's been with Pete Carroll his whole career going back to um, going back to even USC, if I'm not mistaken, but was with them with Seattle the whole time. Worked with Russell Wilson, let Russ cook for a fair amount where he made multiple Pro Bowls with Canales. Um, then worked with Geno Smith, revived the career of Geno Smith, made him a Pro Bowl quarterback, which that is the huge, huge factor in all of this because again we do not know who the puck starting quarterback is just yet we don't even know who's going to be on the roster outside of kyle trask it is kyle trask and then question mark question mark and it's going to be up to this offensive coordinator to navigate that
0: yeah i mean i don't even have a lot to say here i i think it's it's kind of i did not expect this to break right now um, yeah i
1: know that's show business
0: yeah, Bucks basement with the two dollar super chat. Canales will be gone end of year along with Bulls. So we've already got a polarizing, I think, opinions on this. I think some people might just be relieved that they finally have an offensive coordinator, and you know we could stop talking about it and stop speculating about it. But others are are not happy with the hire. I I think it's an interesting one. It's it's. I mean, uh, Ian Rappaport looks to have confirmed it here. It says a really intriguing hire. Canales did a great job with Geno Smith earning a new post in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, like you've mentioned, his, his claim to fame is. Geno Smith's career was, I mean, it was just kind of middling. It was just, it was almost over, it felt like, where it was like, all right, you know, he's stuck around this long, but he's never really going to be, you know, a guy anywhere again. Um, And that changed. That changed in in Seattle, and he was able to make the Seahawks competitive in a year where everyone thought they were going to be pretty bad, like one of the bottom teams in the league. Um, And so they were able to have a lot of success this past season. He was a pro bowler, and, you know, I think he might end up sticking around in seattle for the foreseeable future but yeah with with the quarterback situation getting someone in who has just recently had that kind of experience with a quarterback and has worked so closely with quarterbacks over the years um you know we saw that with the the candidate pool was like a lot of quarterback coaches passing game coordinators stuff like that um not too many like running backs coaches or, or anything like that just a couple so you know getting um getting him in the door we'll see what what happens now at the quarterback's coach position, the running backs coach, wide receiver's coach. Um what what stands out to me about this is he only just had the one interview, I think. He had the the one yeah. interview last year or last week it was reported not last year. Last week it was reported that he was going to interview and then he ended up finally having that interview yesterday on on Tuesday. Um and you know I guess the Bucks met with Thomas Brown for a second time today and decided to make Canales their man, but um, yeah, definitely interested to to dive into more and see some more about, about him going forward.
1: And uh shout out smook eight one three, five dollar super chat. No comment, just uh just giving us the Appreciate super it. chat. Maybe he's happy about that. Smook, if you have a uh, another um comment that you wanna put into the chat, we'll we'll uh make sure that we put it up there. I see some people in the chat saying that the Bucks settled. I think we gotta understand that the Bucks weren't going to have their top option because of the quarterback situation, the uncertainty with Todd Bull. So they were going to have to take a guy that, as far as play calling-wise, was unproven. But I like the fact that he's worked with two different quarterbacks. He is going to bring his type of offense. I don't necessarily know if this means, and I don't think it means, that Geno Smith is now on the table for the Buccaneers because you got to understand Seattle still had a very good year with Gino and they still have Pete Carroll. They still have, you know, their offensive coordinator. So if you're Gino, there's, you're not, I don't think you're going to leave just for quarterbacks coach. You know, you're going to get a decent sized contract in Seattle a team. You just made the playoffs with, and in worst case Seattle would probably end up franchise tagging him. So I don't think that necessarily means that Gino's on the board, but I love the point you made Bailey about, The Seahawks, no one expected them to do anything last year. And they made the playoffs, and they gave the 49ers a run for their money, at least in the first half. Like, they pretty much kept it close until the fourth quarter, uh, if I remember that game. And they like to run the ball a lot, too. Now, the Bucs were not great at it last year, but if anyone's going to improve the run game, it would be a team like a coach that came from Seattle, where they ran it a ton with Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth Walker was, you know, burst onto the scene. I mean, he got more notoriety than than Rashad White, understandably so. Rashad White was uh, holding on to or uh, sharing rushing attempts with Leonard Fournette. Now you'll let Rashad White kind of do his thing. Now we'll see how that changes. But overall, I mean, whether you like it or not, it's an exciting night for Bucks fans because you got a new you got a new coordinator in the mix.
0: Yeah. And I think what's interesting is uh, Canales got to see Rashad White his best game up pretty close when the Bucks played the Seahawks in Germany. Um, Yeah, you know Rashad White went with his 100 yard game, had that big stiff arm. We won the Angry Run Scepter that week. Um, So that's that's Canales' new running back, and you know we'll see we'll see what they do. I mean to tie this back into the cap casualty conversation, if Leonard Fournette's out the door, the Bucks might have a completely revamped rushing attack, not only because of a new coordinator, but also you know, finding someone to pair with Rashad White going forward, going to be interesting. I think that this is this is where you can kind of start to see maybe the vision take shape a little bit for what's going to – what this offseason is going to look like. I know there's still a long way to go with the cap. There's a long way to go with the roster, but we've got the first domino to fall.
1: Exactly. They needed that first domino because, the, you know, the draft and free agency changes when you finally have a coordinator – he might like a certain type of personnel over a, a different type of personnel. And that's why you needed to get this first guy in. Leonard Fournette still think he's out the door with, you know, the whole one, the emergence of Rashad White, the $3.5 million that they're going to save. Uh, Brian, another great comment talking about Canales. Uh, can he fix Gabbert's career too? <laughs> I don't Maybe. know. We'll see if Blaine Gabbert's <laughs> back. I don't, I don't necessarily think that Gabbert – um, is returning. I do think there's going to be changes at uh, running back for sure when it comes to the Bucks offense next season. And another thing David Canales will have to figure out is whether he wants Donovan Smith as the starting left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to talk about Donovan in just a moment. But with this new offensive coordinator – you might like him a lot after you watch him in uh, in training camp and and the preseason that you're saying, hey, Bucks are going to score a lot more. I'm going to bet the over in a lot of these games. And if you're going to bet the over, the best place to go and do it would be at mybookie.ag. Give yourself a fresh start in the new year with mybookie. Whether you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting, MyBookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Just use the promo code Pewter on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your MyBookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with MyBookie. Bet on the NFL, UFC, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie promo code Pewter. You could also earn up to $1,000 in bonus money with your first deposit with that promo code Pewter. So even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. Check out MyBookie.ag. Okay, Donovan Smith, longtime buccaneer we know the trajectory of his career by now, a lot of ups and downs early. Then Tom Brady comes around, has two of his best seasons in 2020 and 2021, more specifically 2021 and in 2022 It went downhill badly last year. Now we had a lot of personal turmoil um, that I think played a little bit of a factor into it. Uh, but the facts are that he is 30 or turning 30 and $9.95 million in savings that the Bucks would get from him, that's the largest number of savings that Tampa Bay would obtain with these salary cap casualties. The real question is, are you confident in Tristan Wirfs moving over to left tackle and then either drafting a right tackle, finding a cheaper right tackle in free agency, or the idea has been floated out to move Luke Gedeke, to right tackle as well. Uh, Bailey, it's a tough question, but I'm going to be the one to ask you it. <laughs> what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's the toughest call to make, even though it is the biggest savings they could they could possibly get. It's also the biggest, I think the biggest hole to create, you know, on the roster. You know, how, how important the left tackle position is. You know, there is the idea of moving Tristan Wurfs from right tackle to left tackle and then backfilling that spot, whether it's through the draft, free agency or get a key or it's just, you know draft a left tackle or sign you know a veteran left tackle josh capo actually wrote a story uh went up today on PeterReport.com. really really good job like diving into this left tackle question of you know if they do cut donovan smith what are the options there what can happen um man it's hard it's a tough one to do because with how many needs they have right now you know you look at you know, you look at receiver as a need. You probably look at running back as a need. You're looking obviously at quarterback as a need. Yeah, yeah. There's needs all in the secondary. There's needs as pa- pass rushers. You need, you know, interior defensive linemen. Do you really want to create another need at left tackle position that, um, that significant? I'm almost still going to say yes. Um, you know, if I, I don't know if it's a, a possibility, if he's a, if he's a restructured candidate, he's on his last year of his deal, um, you know, it's, it's tough to, to say whether that would be a possibility or not, and I don't know, you know, you, you'd really be banking. We talked about Russell Gage, kind of. We're banking on a bounce back from him. You'd be banking on a huge bounce back from Donovan Smith. But something that Josh made the point about uh, in that article was, you know, do you kind of see, you know, this was his worst year, twenty twenty two, is Donovan Smith's worst year. Do you kind of see, I don't even know if regression, you know, him regress back to the mean of his career of, you know, not necessarily awful right. like he was this past season, not necessarily the heights that he reached before, but kind of, you know, a solid, reliable left tackle, you know, if, if you can, if you feel confident that he's past whatever was, you know, affecting his play from a personal standpoint, I think maybe you even, you you probably keep him on um, and, you know, figure out, figure out from there, how you can fill the rest of your needs and how, how else it's the, the big question is the cap hit is, is you save $9.95 million by saying goodbye to him. And that's in the situation they're in kind of hard to do. I yeah, wrote the fence pretty it, hard in that one, I think.
1: No, it's difficult. It is really, it is really threading the needle. And I do think that Smith will have a better season overall than he had last year. But if you go to Tristan Wirfs and say, do you feel comfortable playing left tackle? And he says, yes, no problem. Which he probably will because he's Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. He's his <laughs> nicest dude around. I think you got to go with Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. And at that sense, you're not going to just swap Donovan Smith and move him over to right tackle. At that point, I think you got to let him go. Now, if worse doesn't feel comfortable playing left tackle, then I think you have to decide who's going to be your quarterback. Are you going to go with a veteran that you need, that you think you're going to win and compete for the division right out of the gate? Then I think you keep Donovan Smith. If you go with like Trask or, They the Bucs decide to draft the quarterback in an earlier round. Even though you want to give that quarterback as much protection as possible, if you're still moving Donovan uh Tristan Wirfs to the left side, I think you take the risk with a veteran right tackle on the other side or Luke Geticke at right tackle. So that's kind of how I would really address it. Because 9.95 million is a lot to save in a year where you really, really need it. Um, we got a couple more super chats that we'll get into understandably everybody wants to talk about uh, the new signing and offensive coordinator with Dave Kanellis. Uh, real quick. Just want to mention to everybody that Celsius has a variety of flavors, not just the new ones we talked about earlier on the show, but they also got the Arctic peach and tropical vibes. Can't go wrong with any of them there. You also got cucumber lime, original orange sparkling watermelon, uh, peach mango, kiwi guava. So ton of awesome, different flavors. Um, go to the store locator, punch in your address and uh, on the Celsius website, and you can find out where to get a Celsius near you at your 7-Eleven or Bodega. And if you want to buy them in bulk, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save. Get the variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. Have it sent to your house or apartment every week, quarterly, uh, monthly. I guess it would be week, monthly, quarterly. But, you know, just have it sent to you whenever you want it. Check out Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Let's get to these Super Chats. Um, Shaggy was on Donovan Smith, so we'll go with Shaggy real quick. I know Animal and Smook did uh, Super Chat first, but we'll end it with with Canals. Uh, Shaggy says, drawing a penalty is one thing. Drawing a penalty that kills a drive or takes points off the board is another. Thank you, Shaggy, for the Super Chat. That is true. It did feel like Donovan Smith had a lot of Back-breaking penalties last season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was almost you wonder like for when for when they when they occurred. It's like it, it's not a luck thing. Obviously, like, those were those were real penalties. But it's like it always seemed to come at the worst time possible. And it's just like yeah. I, I don't know if, if you bring him back for another year. Even if he has, you know, those that many penalties again. I don't know that you're going to see that many key penalties that kill drives or oh, a lot of penalties will kill drives, but that will take away our white points off the board. Like we saw when Mike Evans had that long touchdown, like the fact that they happened on plays like that made them stand out even more, which is, it's, it's a tough one for him.
1: Yeah. He was a standout guy, just a standout guy in penalties, which is yeah. uh, not what you need. Animal. Thank you for the $5 super chat. He said, Dave Canales, he's just letting us know. Dave Canales is going to be the new offensive coordinator of the Bucks, as per Mike garofolo Thanks for the heads up. We, uh, we saw that earlier and started getting into it, but we appreciate you animal. A nice logo with the with the lightning right there, uh, the lightning logo. And uh, appreciate the super chat. And we'll end it with Smook813, another $5 super chat. Thank you, Smook. He says, Eric B., talking about Eric B. Enemy, is available and you hire who? <laughs> talking about Dave Canales. Uh, you can overpay and get it done. Come on, man. So, yeah, that was another really big storyline in general was that Eric B. and Bailey, you were talking about him before. Bienvenue trying to get away from Andy Reed so he can pretty much prove that he can call an offense and not just run Andy Reed's offense. Um he interviewed in Washington as you talked about. Again, the other thing is we don't know that Eric Bienneme wants to be the offensive coordinator of the Bucs because of the situation that they are in. So the Bucs, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they inquired about Eric Bienemy and Bianomi was just like no, nah, no, thanks. I'm good. I'd rather find a more sustainable situation. So I, I, I'm sure the Bucs have discussed Eric enemy in their offensive coordinator search. I mean, he's been the most talked about candidate for like the last four years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those things where his name came out today where he's taking that Washington interview. And I was like, well, you know, if they were going to do, if they were going to go after him, if they're going to make contact with him, I feel like they might've done it already, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they end up with, with Canales and, you know, it's one that, Obviously, everyone's going to have their snap judgments, and then you know if if things pan out the way everyone hopes they do, um, you know we'll think back on tonight with some of the some of the uh, comments that were made and be like, all right, well maybe we spoke a little too soon. But that's the way it works. That's the way it always does. Um, but one interesting thing I wanted to point out and, and kind of get your thoughts on, yeah. uh, Greg allman posted this and said, you know, as the Bucks are eyeing a veteran quarterback um, or two to pair with Trask and kind of compete with Trask, he mentioned Drew Locke, the Seahawks backup as a possibility it, it the early early responses are not positive as you might imagine um but he did you know canals did work with him um in seattle this year and drew Locke is a free agent so throw his name into the into yeah the throw him into
1: the ring you know it's really funny because i tend to be like ah, Drew Locke. i mean they've tried it in two other places it didn't work but you yeah. smith <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and it worked with you smith so yeah it's easy to to mock these ideas and things, but if anyone can get the best out of a guy with untapped or unfound potential, maybe Canales is just the guy. So it's going to be exciting to to look further and watch further into uh, what he can do with this Bucks offense. Let's remember they still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Kate Otten, Rashad White, a lot of talented guys on this team. Um, even though you're missing Tom Brady, so I'm excited what he can do what he can get done with this team. We're going to have a lot more about this on tomorrow's podcast and in the coming weeks, I'm sure we'll have a press conference with him fairly soon. And uh, yeah, there's a lot more to dive into with the Bucks' new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. I uh, would love it, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, if you enjoy uh, the clips we put up to like, and subscribe and follow us on our uh, social media at Peter report. And our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV, we'd really appreciate that. And that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Out. Out.